0: Spot. Um so they used to kind of worship at a, at a larger church in Tucson. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, the Um and they they are going to start kind of plugging into doing worship with us up here. And I just wanted to kind of tell you I'm super excited about it, but it's gonna be a little different because you guys, we've never had like a guy singing them. I know it's gonna be awesome. So, David, well, I, I meant like leading, David, not like you haven't sang. I get that. So, um, we're we're looking forward to them kind of plugging in and doing that. That's gonna be great. Like you said, we have a lot of things that are happening. Good, good, good exciting things. I'm I'm excited to get the the new website and everything done. Um, that's kind of been on my heart for a while. And we just haven't moved forward with it. Now we're now we're going that direction. So, anyway, let's go ahead and we'll pray and we will begin here. Lord, we just we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you that all that are here are here, Lord, that you brought them here by appointment. That that we can all learn and grow together, Lord, as we study your word. As as we've just gotten done lifting our voices to you, Lord, and. We we pray that that was a sweet sound to your ears, and now we just ask that you would focus our time uh, on on your word and, and put aside all the distractions of the outside world. Help us to focus just solely on you, so that we can we can hear what you have for us today and and learn to to draw closer to you through this word. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. So last week um, we looked at how Abraham. Hey, yeah. Oh yeah, Josh. Or Josh, take the kids. Jamie's taking the kids. Jamie's taking the kids today. I was actually kind of wondering why it was a little noisier than normal. <laughs> so. cleared out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, half the congregation's kids. I think it's more than that. uh uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, our kid. Our kid left. Our, our kid left. Kid like our back. kid's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, we looked at how Abraham had gone to Gerar to sojourn over there. And when he got there, the first thing he did was he assumed the worst. And God continues to protect Abraham and grow him through his mistakes. I, I told you when we started with the study of Abraham that we were going to see a lot of ourselves in him. Um, I said we would be able to see the hope because of the stories of, of, of how God loved him even through some of the mistakes that he made. And, and even when Abraham didn't have faith, as we saw last week. His grace and his mercy abounds even more. So this week, we're going to see God's promise come true, as they always do. Abraham and Sarah, they're still in Gerar, Abimelech, even though Abraham lied to him about Sarah being his sister, Abraham still lets him... Um, stay in the land, and this is the land where Abraham and Sarah are going to be blessed with the son that had been promised to them. So today we're going to read as our points are going to be about first the birth of Isaac, we're going to go through laughter, tough decisions, and then God's protection. So if you would, let's stand and we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 21, and we're going to end in verse. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast cast out this slave woman and her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes and she went and sat down opposite, and a good way off, about a distance of a bowshot. shot, for she said, let me not look on the death of the child And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin of water, and and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy. He grew up, and he lived in the wilderness. Became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at as we look at this section of scripture, we're going to start seeing a lot of changes happen. Um, in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And, and they're going to be for the better. Changes, changes are difficult. We talk about this all the time. How moving outside of our comfort level is difficult. When we hold on to things that we shouldn't because it's difficult to let go. But we can't grow when we stay in the same place. And We need different experiences and challenges to shape us into the people God wants us to be. Nobody changes in their own comfort. We have to be willing to move and change. So the Lord visits Sarah in the situation, and and the Lord had made this promise that that Abraham was going to have this son, and it was going to be through Sarah. If you remember teachings ago, Sarah overheard this conversation between the Lord and Abraham, and she laughed, because she didn't think it was possible. At that time, Sarah was probably about 88 years old, maybe 89, depending on the exact birth date of Isaac, but this woman had been barren her entire life, and and the thought of her having children, especially when she was already past menopause, um, was unheard of. How, how does one bear children when they're not even producing eggs any longer? And, and she forgot one thing. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. God, as we see throughout Scripture, is the king of change. He can make these things happen. And, and when you see God working, it changes your whole outlook on things, doesn't it? Moses makes the point in this story of telling us that God came to Sarah, and, and this was personal to God. He made a covenant. She didn't believe it, and, and he came to open up her womb and make sure that Sarah once again had those, that fertile egg to produce a child. And, and people kind of glance over this miracle, but what God does here is literally biologically impossible and people just kind of skirt past this, women on average stop producing eggs at menopause and it's normally at about 51 years old. This, all your estrogen levels start to drop and you have all of these changes that happen in a woman's body. This does not go in reverse. So it's normal aging. And God, close to 40 years later, comes in and, and says, I'm going to do what's 100% unnatural in this situation, and I'm going to give you this child. Um, just to put this in perspective, the oldest woman ever in the United States to give birth was 57. So, there's some lady in India they say that says she was 74, but I, I don't know about that, and I don't know. Anyway, at the time, God had appointed Sarah gives birth to Isaac. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90. Abraham waits eight days as is required by God and circumcised Isaac. God has fulfilled his side of the covenant with, with Abraham. And now Abraham has fulfilled his side of the covenant. And what we're going to start seeing here is real shifts in faith on Abraham's part Just as an aside um, as to how he views his relationship with God, we really start to see a shift in how he did everything in his own wisdom and now he really starts relying on God's and God's guidance. It, It took a miracle for him to wake up and I hope it's easier for us to have just blind faith. Anyways, let's go to the next point. As Sarah said, God has made laughter for me, everyone who hears will laugh over me. And he said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. So in our text, we see several types of laughter, and, and they're important. And the reason that they're important is, is because they are specifically mentioned in different texts here. Um, we see joyous laughter. It's, it's a laughter, a type of laugh which, um, with which you laugh with somebody. And, and lastly, we see a mocking type of laughter that happens in this story. Sarah's laughter in this situation is one of joy. Okay? She finally gets that thing that she has wanted her whole life. And it, it's, it's also... A laughter of disbelief. Remember, she's 90. So how many of you guys have laughed when you have seen something that God does in your life that you just look at and you go, that's impossible. I never would have seen that happen. I think anybody who's lived at all has had that happen in their life. Um, this, this church is kind of a perfect example for me of this. Because he keeps bringing in amazing families. He keeps pouring out blessings on us. And I've seen a lot of spiritual growth in in the people that are coming here. And it really, this whole church, you guys don't even understand this. This whole church, I told the story, but this whole church was started by a friend of mine who was raised Mormon just sending me a picture of a church for sale in Wilcox. And he kept encouraging me. Because I kept saying, I'm not starting a church in Wilcox, Arizona. Are you out of your mind? And he kept going, no, just think about it. And then my Tucson church was like, yeah, you know, we think you should. But guys, the amazing part about this is when I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And God told me when I was 13, he said, you will preach to, to my people. And I did everything I could to get away from that walk. Because I did not want, I was was like, that's not me. I was kind of like Moses, I can't speak. And I kept giving God excuses as to why I couldn't do it. And God just kept kicking doors down. And And it just ended up happening. It makes me laugh now. Because I never thought I'd be standing up here doing this. Even though God said, you're going to. I never believed it. Sarah laughs with joy because even though they had tried their own route and their own plans, God still comes through in the promise that he gave to them originally. And now you look at it and you see this. They're so cute. Uh, And now she's feeding from his mom. (laughs) You got a 90-year-old woman breastfeeding. This is the story we're reading today. All of those years of hoping for a child, and it never happened. Giving up the idea and actually giving your husband to another woman to try and make it happen a different way. And and that thing that you thought would bring you joy only brought you torment. When, When the Lord does promise a child, You laughed at him because you thought you were too old. And when it actually happens, can you guys imagine the joy that this woman had? The second kind of laughter is one that Sarah predicts here in the situation. And and it's all that are going to hear about this story are going to laugh. Some of you have. (laughs) It's, It's a remarkable story. We're not laughing at her. We're we're laughing at the amazement of God in this situation and what He did. It, it's that I can't believe this ever happened. Kind of laughter, and, and we do it all the time. We've all had those situations where we just sit back and we kind of giggle and go. But for me, because I do stupid stuff all the time, I sit back and I go, hmm, I "Can't believe God got me through that one. I'm an idiot." The third kind of laughter is, is in verse 9, and it says, But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian woman, who she had born to Abraham, laughing. And, and Ishmael's laughing was in, in a mocking way at the celebration. So he Ab- um, Isaac had been being breastfed, and he was, he was weaned from his mother, and Abraham threw this big bash because of that that momentous occasion, and and Ishmael's over there kind of laughing at it. The illustration here is that Sarah, out of her own sinful desire, gave her her husband to another woman, and and in the moment she thought that was a good idea, but here we are. Ishmael, guys, is about 15 years old when this happens, okay? And, And that sin is now laughing at her that thing that she did, that creation she made, and it was completely, that concept was her idea. Here's the question that I would have when it comes to this, is, is how many of us have made mistakes that people never let it go? This is kind of funny. Who here has family? We are coming up on the holidays, guys. You know what that means? That means that your family is going to remind you of every single mistake that you've ever done in your life. Right? And it's a perpetual yearly celebration of this event. We sit back and we learn about how bad we were and and the things that we did. Stories from 30 years or more ago. And I'm, I'm joking, kind of, because we do. We get those stories. Our past repeatedly gets thrown in our face as a reminder of the things that we've done. We don't get, some, sometimes we just don't get past that. And, and our family can sometimes be the worst at that because they know everything, right? Um, now, sometimes it's healthy to remind ourselves um, of what we've come out of and, and the growth that we've had in, in moving on from, from some of those things that our family regularly reminds us of what we did. But this kind of mocking that Sarah was getting in this situation was unhealthy for, for her and for their family. It's, it's kind of like that, that constant water dripping on you. It's that slow. Like every time you see that child, it's always going to be a reminder of those past mistakes. So, an AA token of reminding you of how far you've come it is different than your friend telling you about all the bad stuff you did while you were drunk. Does that make sense? It's 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 a different it's a different kind of reminder. So Isaac is born according to the promise God had made to Abraham, and Ishmael is born out of the sin of the flesh. Paul, in the book of Galatians, is writing about this. And in chapter 4, verses 28 through 31, he says this, now, brother, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at the time he was he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the, slave, or for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but, for, but of the free woman. He's telling these new believers in Christ that they are children of the promise because of their faith in Christ. And, and to get rid of those people around them who will not inherit the kingdom with them. Now, what he's not doing, is he's not telling them. He's not telling them to go and build a compound in Waco and to like only talk with other Christians and to do those kinds of things. What he is saying is, he's warning them to not let those. Um, he's warning them to not let those who are under bondage or under the law hold them back from their growth, from the direction they're going in, okay? So if if they are, you have to get rid of them or you're going to be stuck back in what you tried to leave. And and that's not where God has, that's not ever what God has for us. (laughs) And, And that's actually our next point, which is tough decisions, When do you do that? How do you know? When is the time to remove those reminders out of your life? And and the answer is really when there's such a distraction that they're holding you back from moving where God has you going, Okay, So it it could be holding you back uh, physically or emotionally They could be abusive in some way. Whatever it was, like Sarah was being mocked by Ishmael at a time when she should have had great joy. But but she couldn't enjoy the blessings God had given her because when when the sins of your past rob you of your joy of today, you're not being able to move forward in in what what is your life. The reminder of those past hurts just sit there and they eat at you and they eat at you. So Sarah at some point, she says, you know, I can't do this anymore. You have to send Ishmael and Hagar off. Something that we need to remember here, and this is difficult, Ishmael is Abraham's son. He has been his son for 15 years. Abraham has raised him and taught him and dealt with him and loved him and done all this stuff. And now Sarah's like, yeah, he needs to go. Could you imagine how difficult that decision would be to do that? Now, he was born out of sin, yeah. But he was still his son and he loved him. our text says that this displeased Abraham when Sarah said this to him. Um, It's not like, oh, that makes me unhappy. The the literal translation of that is um, basically Abraham looked at what Sarah was proposing as exceedingly evil. He couldn't believe she was saying this to him. Because it's his son. And you have to think about this. And this is how we as people would look at this. This entire plan was her idea. Now she just wants to discard this kid like he's trash. And we have emotions. We have people. We have love. We have all of these different things that are involved in this tough decision that needs to be made here. yes. He was a reminder of her sin and it was eating her alive. The child of God's promise is here so it's just like in with the new, out with the old, right? One thing we all know about sin. We can get past our sin. We can repent of it. We can even be forgiven of our sin. But our sin, all sin in general, in some way has a ripple effect that, that affects other people. We know this story that we're going through right now—the story of Ishmael—is still affecting us as people today. Um, but God wants us to move past those those sins, He wants us to move past hurts even even if it's hard. The, the story of Ishmael is is a metaphorical for for kind of a bigger picture of moving past sin. And, and even when the stakes are this high and when there's love and there's 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 people involved and there's all of these things, the story shows us that it's it's so much more. And, and these decisions are hard person who's ever made a mistake in some way or another that results in a child has heart-wrenching decisions that they have to make. And let me be very clear on this, because I have actually seen this text used this way to say, to condone abortion. And that's not at all what this is talking about. This is a struggle of how we deal with the struggles of past sin, and, and how do we get The sin that that eats at us, behind us. And, And God tells Abraham not to think of Sarah this way. Not to think of her exceedingly evil in this situation. It would be very easy for Abraham to just look at Sarah and go, this is your fault, you told me to do this, I could have done that. This wouldn't have happened if we just listened to what God said in the first place. That's not what happened. But have any of you guys ever done that to somebody in your life? Was that helpful? No. Telling them how bad they are never helps them move past what they've done. And you remember Jesus saying, You who's without sin, throw the first stone. It doesn't, it doesn't help in those situations. Because we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every single one. So demeaning that person just holds them down further. Especially when they're trying to rise up out of their sin. Last point, and this is going to kind of tie this all together, is God says to Abraham, I'll take care of the boy. And that's hugely important in this situation. Because he says, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to make them a nation. It is God's way of absolving them of their responsibility of what has happened. Are they still going to think of Ishmael? Yes. Is Abraham still going to love Ishmael? Yeah. Are they still going to dread the sin of the things that they've done? Yes, they're still going to think about those things. This is an extreme example of ridding your life of past sins. I get that. Why do our past sins still haunt us? Hang in there with me because i to make this make sense. When God says to you, your sins are forgiven, why do we not believe him? We don't. Because we still hold on to it. We still punish ourselves for it. We still do all the things that we should not be doing when God says, done. It's finished. And, and we don't look at it as finished. We look at it as no, 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 I still have to do this. God, you don't understand. Anybody ever said yeah, God doesn't understand? <laughs> In theory, we say to ourselves, I know God has forgiven me, but we hold on to it. We dread it. We won't let it go. We don't generally, as people, accept grace. God tells them, you made this mistake. I not only have forgiven you, but I'm going to take care of Ishmael myself. Grace upon grace, he pours out in the situation. So Hagar is sent off with some bread and some water. Now you think to yourself, I would. That's like, I mean, you're, you're like rich, dude. And you're just her off with a skin of water and some bread. <laughs> but again, God had said, I will take care of you. He didn't have to put forth all of this effort because God now has this. The other thing that you guys need to understand in this situation, which is kind of neat and nobody ever talks about this, is the fact that Sarah, um, Sarah's decisions to send them, off. they now meant so much. It meant so much more to them. Why? Because Sarah or um, Hagar, was a slave. Ishmael was the son of a slave. They would have those titles their entire life until they have now been set free. (laughs) Go. You're free. You're no longer a slave. Wandering in the desert was difficult, and God protected them from death well just miraculously appeared out of nowhere, right? God does protect Ishmael in this this situation and he does grow Ishmael into a a nation. The thing, when you read the story it says God was with Ishmael and at some point it kind of Ishmael and his offspring (coughs) went away from God. Um, his, his He took a pagan wife that he had gotten from Egypt. And if you remember, where was Hagar from? Egypt. So, the nations of Israel and the Muslims to this day fight o- over who has the birthright to this promised land. Because Ishmael was the firstborn, and Isaac was the second. And and obviously it's the Israelites since God's promise was to Isaac. And Ishmael was born out of sin, but yet they still fight over it to this day. So let's wrap this up, shall we? Sarah did not have the faith that God would do as he said he would do. This, in this story, and, and she did some things that she should not have done. Now, we're not absolving Abraham. Abraham should not have gone along with this stupid idea. This should not have been okay with Abraham. Um, so, finally, when when, when Ishmael is born, she knows she does wrong. She knows it, and it, it haunts her. So God finally gives her this child of promise, and now she has this bigger problem. Her previous sins are going to just stay there with her. So she has to move. She has to make this decision and move forward. Our sins affect others. Abraham got stuck in the middle of an impossible decision to make, and, and we all have to make difficult decisions in our life. God. God gave Abraham and Sarah permission to move past their sin and onto a new life. And we all have been given that same thing. We have to be willing as people to accept God's grace when He gives it to us. Even though our actions are still remembered. Lingering on them when God gives us grace only hurts us. God's already forgiven it. So really, you just sit there and you kind of punish yourselves. And and I ask people all the time, when they can't get past something, I say, how many times are you going to keep throwing Jesus up on that cross? He's already done it. Why do you keep chucking him back up there? When he said it was finished, it was finished. Why don't you let it go? But people can't. Because somehow they think they have to make it better in their own way. Grace is accepting what's been done for you. And and when we accept the gift of that new spirit, when we accept the gift of redemption, we get rid of that sin. We be thankful for that gift that's been given to us. And we move forward with undeserved grace. We can't earn it. And we can't dwell on it. Because what we do, we can't move forward. And, and that's really what the, the cross is all about extending unmerited grace to us through the love that Christ has for us. We can't dwell on that sin, we'll never get past it. We'll stand up, we'll pray. Lord, we, we do.